Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Eye on the Hill 2023. Special coverage on Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome to the Expanded Inside Sources. Great to be with you today for the next two hours. My name is Taylor Morgan. I am hosting today, filling in for Boyd Matheson, along with my co-host, Mara Carabello. Mara, we are going to kick off this show today by discussing one of the most watched, the hottest, if you will, bills at the Capitol this legislative session. Of course, we are talking about the school choice vouchers bill. Yeah, and if you listen to the um, news roundup in the middle, you'll know that we also have some relatively breaking news on this issue. We do. Yes. Just about uh, 20 minutes ago, the Senate uh, voted on second reading. It's not final yet, but the Senate did vote on this bill and it passed on second reading twenty. We have with us now, joining Inside Sources, the Senate sponsor uh, of the bill, Senator Kurt Cullimore. Senator, welcome to Inside Sources. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. So to walk us through, as we mentioned, you just went through second uh, vote on the Senate floor. Um, and tell us what that debate sounded like. What are you watching now as it uh, goes through the Senate process? Well, as you guys know, our procedure is to read bills twice and to vote on them twice. And so today was the first one. Um, the debate really was was obviously this philosophical debate about whether um, I won't call it vouchers because it's, it's more like a ESA and an educational savings account. And so it, it provides scholarships. But, you know, whether that's that's good for the public or not. And, and we got a resounding. Yes, it is good. You know, and that that's. By that same margin, it came out of the House. And so uh, really, as you recall, last year, there were some conversations. A, a similar bill came out last year, but there were some conversations and signaling that, hey, we might be ready to support a bill like this, but we need to make sure that we pay teachers. And so that's why this bill seeks to do both. It funds students and it funds teachers. And the teacher portion is, is significantly higher uh, as far as the state cost than the scholarship amount. So um, what was your main reason for being a bill sponsor? I mean, that's a little different position. You knew that this had been a heated issue in the past. What did you focus on when deciding to sponsor this bill? Yeah, thanks, Mara. Um, I, you know, you could say I'm a believer. I do feel like parents and kids should be able to make the education choices that are best for them. And that while we do have a constitutional mandate in Utah to fund education, that those education dollars should be able to follow the child in, in their educational pursuits. And so 
I, I believe in the principle. Uh, I wanted to find a way to support it, but we also tried to find a way that, you know, supports public education because at the end of the day, most of our kids are still going to choose public education. And so, you know, I, I, I said in my floor speech, this wasn't an indictment on a public education, and I do believe that. Uh, I, and I do believe that we need to continue to support public education. This just provides a path for for other kids looking for more individualized or customizable education options. Yeah, the bill would create a $42 million uh, fund from uh, taxpayer money called the Utah Fits All Scholarship. This could be used to send students to private school or to be homeschooled. Uh, it would also, uh, as you mentioned, Senator, uh, set up an ongoing $6,000 salary and benefits increase uh, for public education uh, teachers. Those uh, those two are tied together in the bill. Senator Cullimore, we heard today on the Senate floor some concerns expressed uh, by your colleagues uh, that represent uh, the more rural parts of Utah. What Can you share some of, some of their concerns and, and why they may not be supporting the bill? Yeah, I think their concerns stem from that, you know, in rural parts of Utah, there, there simply aren't as many educational options. Um, And I would actually contend that that's not necessarily the case anymore, particularly with COVID. We've seen that there are so many online options now, and and really there there probably is a decent percentage of kids that are taking advantage of homeschooling and these new online options. And so, you know, it's a new thing. We just went through that pandemic, but but I think a lot of parents have attached or, or, or found those options and want to find ways to support those types of options for their particular kids. And so, you know, it is a new conversation for rural Utah, but, but I would suggest that, that there will be plenty of opportunities for rural kids to, to find more customizable education and, and possibly do so through the scholarship. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. So, Senator Colmar, one you're an attorney as well, and we've often looked to you for good bill drafting. One of the things I keep grappling with about this bill is it's generally held that legislation, this is what we criticize the feds for all the time, is like throwing everything into a piece of legislation. And certainly I don't think this is the case, but I'm still a little angsty about the fact that we're tying a teacher salary increase to another major policy issue, which is these scholarships or vouchers, as you've expressed. Why do they need to be tied together? Why can't they be voted in separate bills based on their own merit? Well, I think these these certainly got tied to, together for political reasons, because that was the messaging for last year that we heard from legislators and other stakeholders that this is a policy we can support, but we want to ensure that teachers get paid too. And so 
yeah. I think some of that messaging is what inextricably tied these things together. Yeah. Couldn't you have just run the teacher salary bill first? Yeah. I mean, I guess the idea is, you know, if, if one of these is a standalone, then, then you got to find the right appropriation measures and, and ensure that both are appropriate. And so I think this was more about holding a lot of those stakeholders and holding a lot of those legislatures feet to the fire saying, okay, this, this is what you said. And I personally, I really uh, appreciate that approach. I know that it is, it is being criticized. I know that there are some out there uh, claiming uh, that, you know, teacher increases are being quote unquote held hostage or that they're being tied together in a nefarious way. But I, I, I see it differently. I think this is a grand compromise. Uh, you know, those who oppose uh, school choice tend to always like making the argument that this is pulling money away from education and away from teachers. And so coupling that private scholarship fund directly with a significant pay increase for public educators, I think it is the right approach. And I think it's why why we are seeing so much support at the legislature for this bill. So I, I actually appreciate the way that this bill is drafted. Thank you. And I, w- I would say, Mara, too, that this this was a little bit unique. I mean, in the history of Utah, I know of only one other time that we've done a direct appropriation to teachers because usually this conversation right. goes about education funding in whole and increasing the WPU. And sometimes the frustration at the state level is, you know, we increase the WPU and hope that that water gets to the end of the row and it's felt in the classrooms. And that's not always the case. And so, you know, this appropriation was unique, similar to what they did. I think it was about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm where the legislature is saying, okay, we're going to ensure that this gets to the teachers. And so, you know, this, even that part of the appropriation is kind of outside of the usual public education budgeting process. Yeah. So it was a direct and pretty significant catch up, it seems. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I can see the uniqueness there. Walk us through the rest of the process. Um, It stays in the Senate. It it's already passed the House. Um, it stays in the Senate till uh, the third reading, and then uh, walk us through the rest of the process. Yeah, so tomorrow is the third reading, assuming it gets the votes again to to pass. Uh, this bill can be sent to the governor at that point. Um, there is a fiscal note, but because of agreement on both sides, the anticipation is that this this will the the House and the Senate will agree that this is funded and that that will be final action tomorrow. So one thing I wanted to ask you while we have you, Senator Colmore, I don't know if the public realizes how rowdy this is for these your elected officials, right? I mean, you guys are um, you're an experienced lawmaker, but by design, we have citizen lawmakers. Um, what's it been like for you in terms of just call volume or trying to go grocery shopping? Um, what, what's a what's a hot issue like this like uh, in real life for a real person who also is a state senator? Yeah, it's it's been a little bit overwhelming the last few days for sure, if not the last few weeks. Um, I, I I don't even think I could tell you how many emails are being received by each legislature, and the number of texts. Uh, you know, as with most legislation, though, out in the public, uh, there are some that see the headlines, but I think you know a lot of people aren't really keyed in on the specific details of the bill. And so, but it, so it has given me opportunity when people come up and ask to actually talk about the policies in the bill, talk about the details of the bill, 
And and I think, as is the case with almost all legislation, when you actually talk about the work that's gone into it, the various compromises and what it actually does, there may be some disagreement in the underlying policy, but usually people kind of soften and realize, like, hey, the, you know, nobody's taking a, a super hardline approach to this. There There is thought and reason behind this. Senator Kurt Cullimore, thank you so much for joining us today on KSL, and thank you for your service. All right. Thank you, thank you guys. Coming up next, we're going to stay on the topic a bit longer. Look at the opponent's choices. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.